show R&D Tax Credit would love to do an episode about every single tax jurisdiction out there. There is simply too much going on in too many places around the world to keep up. That's why today we're going to wrangle some of the top stories from around the world all in one convenient international overview of R&D tax incentives. For fans of deep dives into one country at a time, we've got a bunch of those in our library already. Visit xbs.ai, and there are certainly more to come. Today, we'll be focusing on Europe and Asia, grabbing some of the happenings across continents to keep you up to date with the global R&D landscape. To help us kick off our cross-continental trip, we have with us here today Manager of R&D Tax Credit, Lydia Clowney here at Cross Border Solutions. Welcome again, Lydia. I wouldn't miss a European vacation. Staying very scenic on that note, we head to Italy. The Italian government just announced a new R&D tax break. Can you tell us what it is and what it covers? Absolutely. Italy is introducing a 20% tax break, and this is for companies working on innovative pharma. Can you guess why? Oh, Lydia, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I think everybody at home can can guess. Yeah, so you're right. It's because of COVID. <laughs> there you go. So this absolutely includes work on, on COVID vaccines, but Italy is not cutting it off there. They know that the next great fiasco could be something else entirely, but they want to be ready for it. So they are trying to help out companies that are doing this kind of innovative work. And this is a long-term tax credit. This has been instituted for expenses incurred after June 1st, 2021, and it doesn't sunset until the end of 2030. So they are trying to give themselves this whole decade to really encourage innovative pharmaceutical companies to start working on things like vaccines for, you know, the whatever's coming down the pipeline next. So they do have a couple conditions on this. So one of them is that in order to get this tax break, companies have to commit that anything that comes out of this work that's being credited is that they'll grant licenses to third parties with non-discriminatory market terms. So basically, Italy wants to make sure that if they are helping subsidize some of this work, that the eventual product, that innovative vaccine that comes out of it, will be able to be like used and actually benefit the people of Italy. So pretty cool that they're putting those kinds of guardrails in place. There are some other changes, certainly recently in Italy as well. They've had a number of big sweeping changes to their R&D credit landscape, actually moving more towards credits and away from what they've been doing previously, which was more based around super amortization, super deductions, and something they called hyper amortization. So essentially just being able to take expenses earlier and faster when they purchase assets. So instead of that, they're moving more towards this tax credit regime providing tax credits from 6 to even 40% on investments in assets like new capital goods, technological assets, software. So we're seeing a lot of changes there. And they're really trying to incentivize things that I think are kind of of the moment. So certainly we have the vaccine issue. And the other incentives are also for other R&D activities ecological transition, and other technological innovation as well. Our aim here is to give a general overview of world R&D, but admittedly, a lot of recent R&D news is coming out of Europe. So let's address a few other European nations, starting with Poland. Lydia, tell us what's going on in Poland. Yeah, Poland's planning to expand R&D incentives in 2022 as well. So what they currently offer is it's a tax relief instrument that's existed only since 2018. So it's pretty new. And that will actually replace some special economic zone regimes. 
but the new regulations, this is kind of funny, they turned all of Poland into one big special economic zone, which, I mean, it's kind of funny. I know we've talked about economic zones, innovation zones, opportunity zones in the past, and we always say that the opportunity zone or the, the innovation zone is a place where kind of the rules don't apply. Well, this is the rule everywhere. You could almost just say, well, this is the Polish regime. To say it's all a, an economic zone is semantics at that point. But they do offer also an R&D credit and, and an IP box. So an IP box being called a patent box sometimes, it means that the profits that you make on certain kinds of intellectual property are preference. They get taxed at a lower rate typically. So Poland wants to make sure that all of the sport instruments that they have are available on equal terms and conditions to foreign and Polish investors and to the entire country as well. So they're not just looking at one small geographic zone here or there. In 2022, what we can look for is a new thing to enable companies to combine the R&D tax credit with the intellectual property box regime. So typically, or in the past, I'll say in Poland, these have been two separate things. You can't take an R&D credit and an IP box on the same activities. So you have to kind of choose. And it can be really hard for companies to do that because you have to project which one would be more advantageous or a better kind of monetary impact to your company. But how do you know that? It's a lot of guesswork. So what this does is say you can do both. It's a double dip instead of keeping you all in one lane. And in 2019, Germany announced its first R&D tax break, the German Research Allowance Act, which was passed and went into effect January 1st, 2020. What can you tell us about this act? And despite it being way too early to draw any solid conclusions, is there a sense at all of how it might be going? It's so hard to say, and and you're right, this is such a new initiative. So this wasn't approved until late 2019 and hasn't impacted any expenses until July 1, 2020. So it's really early to say what impact it does have. Now, just quick overview, the German tax credit, it's a little different than some other countries, um, really mostly looks to labor costs. So the credit eligible expenses are labor for your own internal R&D staff, and then also a portion of costs that are outsourced to other companies. And the the credit rate's 25%. Now, of course, there are some thresholds. Basically, there's a maximum of like 500K per year that a company can receive. But this regime is so new. It's such a baby. And so the country is still educating companies and even the tax consultants are still figuring out how to apply this, what qualifies, how to report it, how to get everything through, you know, how to jump through the administrative hurdle, like hoops or hurdles. All those things are still kind of being worked out on the fly as we go. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense. We're still doing that in the U.S. and our credits existed since the 80s. So prior to the tax credit program, R&D funding in Germany was more or less direct. They had maybe more grants and things like that. But I think this kind of came out of the COVID downturn. It's really from a timeliness perspective, kind of the the big thing that that was going on when this got enacted. And I have to imagine that they are monitoring this really closely. I think they're going to be looking at a lot of metrics and trying to figure out whether 
it's actually producing the kind of results they want to see. Is it increasing headcount at companies? Are companies retaining jobs or adding jobs because of it? I think if we don't see that in the next few years, you know, we could probably expect some changes to the German regime. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University Weekly. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai slash tpu. Now let's turn to the EU's neighbor, the UK. We know the latest budget was proposed in March. What's happened in the past few months in the UK? Yeah, UK also trying to improve or increase R&D. I mean, I think that I could probably say that about any country that you could bring up. But yeah, UK is trying to increase R&D to like 2.4% of GDP by late 20s. So they are at this point mostly doing a lot of thinking. They are in the planning process trying to figure out what the right changes would be to their regime to try to reach that goal. So no real changes at this point, except for that we can see some of the results coming out of the researching bodies and these committees that are studying the R&D credits. And they're thinking about a lot of things. They're thinking about, hmm, maybe we should restrict R&D credits to only activities that are happening within the UK as opposed to within the UK and overseas. They're talking about ending R&D credits for the financial sector. They think they don't need them. They're doing well enough. Why are we propping them up? They're talking about reducing the general rate. And they're also talking about potentially adding some initiatives to preference startups. So currently there are two regimes. One is for smaller companies and one is for larger companies, but new companies don't get any additional benefits. So that's something that they're looking at as well. So I think it's safe to say there's a sort of try this and see if it works approach going on in the UK right now. Absolutely. They're absolutely trying to look at what's working and what can be improved. They're even looking at potentially changing the definition of R&D to be more expansive in the UK as opposed to in the US. A company needs to be pushing forward general knowledge in the world or in the industry, whereas in the US, a company just needs to be doing something that's new to them in order to qualify. So there is definitely some space for the UK to expand the definition of what can even be considered R&D in the first place. Now, I know in the US, activities don't need to succeed to qualify for the US credit. The rationale for that being even a failed project helps advance the industry. Is that basically the same policy in the UK here? That's an interesting point. And and yeah, I think I can probably state my statement better. So the work needs to be intended to make that advancement. Essentially, there needs to be uncertainty that couldn't be worked out by an expert in the field. And you need to be attempting to alleviate that uncertainty in order to qualify. So in the UK, like in the US, you don't need to be successful in your project 
in mm-hmm. order for that activity to be R&D. But in the UK, the uncertainty needs to be something that is at a much higher level. Whereas in the US, there can have been a solution worked out by someone else. And to the extent that we're applying it to our company for the first time, it can still qualify where it wouldn't in the UK. Note to multinational companies everywhere, if you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, Big Four. We've got the answer. Cross-border solutions, AI-powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with cross-border solutions, AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big... You know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of cross-border solutions transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp. That's xbs.ai slash tp. And what's the difference in terms of what gets called uh, generosity when there's so much focus in legislation on getting overall R&D spending to a certain percentage of GDP? Does, does that mean anything concrete for taxpayers at the end of the day? So typically when we're talking about generosity, we're talking about the generosity of the government support for private research and development efforts. So say that a credit regime is more generous to the extent that the, the rate is higher or maybe if it's refundable. There's some other things that, have, for instance, the OECD would look at when they are coming up with that statistic. On the other hand, the R&D percentage of GDP would include not just a government subsidy or a credit regime, but that number is how much R&D is happening within the economy as a whole. So it would combine all of the development efforts done by basically everyone, both public and private and, and, and governmental and non-governmental. So it actually does include the initiatives being performed by just companies on the ground doing development. And there's a lot of R&D going on in Asia, so much so that we've devoted entire episodes to China and South Korea. But there's one that we can really touch on very quickly here. Japan used to be one of the world's leaders in innovation. Why have they fallen so far behind? Yeah, they were a global leader in the in the 90s. And, and you're right, they have fallen somewhat behind the other world superpowers um, in terms of that R&D investment. They're lagging behind the US and they just seem to be less interested in taking risks and making those kind of bold investments to try to catch up. We're not seeing the same kinds of initiatives that we're seeing in some other countries. And just as like a quick kind of metric there to level set, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, and Alphabet, aka Google, alone, they are set to outspend all Japanese companies combined. 
in 2022. So really just from a relational standpoint, we see somewhat of a drop off by those Japanese companies. And again, we're saying this because they were a real global leader in technology. But now we know we've kind of pivoted. We're talking Internet of Things. We're talking AI, big data. And we're just not seeing the same kind of adoption and race and and investment in some of these sectors. So in 2018, the American private sector R&D spending grew 9% faster than Japan's. And again, Japan's not making these big investments in AI like a lot of the U.S. companies are. To make another reference, there was a 3% increase company-wide in R&D by Sony, Japanese company, recently, I think that was 2020. But then if you think, if you look at Samsung, which is a South Korean rival to Sony, they made a 30% increase in R&D. And you see this across all sorts of different industries. You can make something of a similar comparison for Toyota and, and Volkswagen in the automotive front. So it almost just seems as though the focus is not there. And it's hard to talk trends sometimes. You know, what we've done here today is is kind of a grab bag, you know, in some ways a random assortment. And part of the reason for that is because there is so much activity right now. We just can't cover everything on one episode. So why is all of this happening right now? I, I think that we tend to see this kind of activity, particularly in the R&D incentive sector, when we see these kinds of big changes happening in the world. And part of this is uh, an economic response, but then part of it too is, is all these different countries looking around and saying, how can we get ahead of the next problem? How can we set ourselves up for the future? And how can we make sure that our economy and our technology is as good as it can be? And that's really when we see these kinds of adjustments and all these countries trying to dial in what that incentive structure should look like in order to really push their economy and their, you know, these companies within their borders forward. And so in some ways, this is a real opportunity. And I, I'd like to encourage the thinking about it as an opportunity. Tax law changes, man, they are a bummer for many of us, particularly the tax professionals. But this is when we can really make some gains and take advantage of the programs that governments are putting out there. And so sometimes it can be scary to look at a whole new tax credit. For instance, we were talking about Germany. Like, what does that even look like? How do you apply? But this is the time when companies should really jump on those incentives and those initiatives. Get your foot right in that door and make sure that you're taking advantage of the programs that we do have. A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast feeling the squeeze an r&d tax credit can help lower your burn if you qualify the irs and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10 percent of your company's spend on development activities you can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red all you have to do is claim it So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross-Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai slash rd. That's xbs.ai slash rd. 
We want to thank Lydia for joining us, and we want to thank everyone at home for tuning in to this informative discussion. If you like today's podcast, you're going to love the other shows in Cross Border Solutions Tax Podcast Suite. That's the Fiona Show Transfer Pricing and the Fiona Show Tax Provision. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's the Fiona Show Tax Credit, and we'll keep you up to date on the latest in this beneficial credit every week. My name's Matthew DeMello, and they let me host edit and engineer this podcast Marilyn Mitchumstrom is our executive producer thanks for tuning in everyone we'll catch you next time